Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. If I'm viewing myself as a business, I'm starving my business. Yeah. So here we are in your beautiful home with your dog, in case she barks. Thanks for having us. Perfect. Um, Thanks for having me. A lot has been going on with you, obviously. Yeah. Uh, I think this might be one of the first chats you're having after surgery. Yes, definitely. Yeah, yeah, I have not had many conversations about it, definitely not publicly, although I've been trying to share along the way um, on social media. but. It's nice to get the full narrative out there, so this should be fun. I mean, you're known as being a really transparent, thoughtful, articulate, and sort of like willing to engage player on the tour, athlete. Along the way, every step, you've sort of been talking back and forth. What's the reaction been in terms of talking through the cancer diagnosis, how you're feeling, and then now post-surgery? First of all, thanks. That's a really nice thing to say. but yeah, it's been awesome. I, we had actually a conversation, me and my fiance, Jack, um, a couple of days before going into surgery and we were like, kind of, how are we going to handle this? Are we going to be public? Am I going to kind of keep it close to my chest until we have things worked out? And, and he kind of gave me the sage advice that I had been um, transparent about just about everything else. Um, so it wouldn't really be me um, to not go through it um, somewhat publicly um, and share my experience. And uh, we actually, we had a conversation about how we wanted to frame it too. We were like, um, you know, is there a way that we can make this like not miserable and dark and shadowy and like bring some light to this process and, and also maybe help other people who are going through these things not feel like, oh my God, this is dark and scary and dire. Um, and I think we really took that to heart. And like throughout the t- whole time I was in the hospital, we are taking selfies, we were like, joking we had like rocky music playing and I was like <laughs> jogging down the, the the hospital um corridors with my little like machine sticking out of me so um as weird as it sounds like we tried to have fun with it yeah um and yeah I, I mean the Thais community has been incredible um I think it takes going through something like this um to realize all the benefit that comes out of social media and just um you know the level of connection that we have to like fans and random people um you know, I, I think we complain about it a lot, like the negative things that come from it, sure. but um, I've just felt so wrapped up in like love and support from everyone that um, it's been really meaningful for me. And I think in a lot of ways reinvigorated my like love of the sport of tennis. Okay, so I wanna go, just sort of go back yeah. a little bit to 
we were talking uh, on, on our way over here and, and, I, and I sort of wanted to know, because I think everyone worries about this at some point in their lives and right. it doesn't happen to a lot of people, but yeah. I want to know the first thought out of your head when your doctor said the word cancer. Like the first, yeah. I mean, did you go there as a as an athlete who's 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 now being diagnosed with cancer, or did you go to just being a human being who's just been diagnosed? Uh, definitely human. Um, and for some background on me, I have no idea why specifically, um, but for some reason, cancer has been my number one fear as a human being. I just like I was like, if there's one thing I don't want to deal in life with in life, it's cancer. And I don't know if that's because. Um, you know, the treatments can be so harrowing or, um, you know, I had my grandmother went through um, breast cancer when I was young and yeah. I think that had an impact on me. Um, <clears throat> so I'm going to be honest, like I did not react with poise. Um, <laughs> it, it was actually a phone call because mm-hmm. this was supposed to be like yeah, a walk through biopsy. My, my oral surgeon was like, you know, this really looks okay, and based on the history of it, we think it's going to be benign. Actually sent me to Caroline's bachelorette party over the weekend. Yeah, he was like, right. oh, like, have fun. It'll yeah. be fine. Um, and I got a call, and I was alone at the house, um, and he said cancer. And I, like, kind of, I was glazed over for the whole rest of the conversation. I don't really remember what we were talking about, but he didn't offer any additional details, really. It was like, it's positive for cancer. I'm not a specialist. You're going to have to consult with someone. Here's an appointment for two days from now. Um, And so I think I was in shock for a moment. And then as soon as I got off the phone and I called Jack, I lost my mind. I definitely went into that, um, am I going to die? Like, Mm -hmm. what's happening? Is my tennis career over? Like, I went full melodramatic. Like, I was not measured. So (laughs) melodrama is warranted in that case, I would imagine. But the athletic heart came to you. Like, not only are you taking care of yourself, but you actually were like, what am I going to do with my life? You know, even if it's if it's a good diagnosis yeah. and things work out, well, what is this going right. to do to me? Right. You know, I think immediately you go to your reference points. So yeah. I'm thinking like, okay, Vicky Duval went through something yeah. like this, and she was out for a year, and it's been really hard for her to get her body back under mm-hmm. her. And um, you know, I've. Carolyn, uh, Karina Morario also went through. Yeah, yeah, and a lot of players um, really struggle coming back after that. Klavanova, I know, Mm -hmm. um, had difficulty as well. Um, And, yeah, so definitely my first thought was the issue of mortality and hoping that I wasn't going to die. And then, um, you know, definitely within a few hours, you know, I was looking at Jack saying, is my tennis career over? Mm -hmm. Like, what does this mean? And, um, you know, I was really fortunate that it ended up being a diagnosis that was not that dire. Um, But when you're living in that uncertainty, I think that's almost the hardest element. As soon as you, like, have the next step, you're like, okay, like, there's something to do. There's a process, right. Yeah. And I remember you went pretty soon after on social media to talk about it, you went on morning programs to sort of talk about it in terms of detection. Yeah, that was was actually bizarre. That was super bizarre because I announced it on a Monday. My surgery was scheduled for Friday and my mom works at Western Dental. Uh Um, And so her, her firm's PR agency reached out to me and was like, do you want to come on the Today Show tomorrow? Sure. <laughs> on a Tuesday, like to talk about, um, you know, preventive health care. Yeah. And I was like, 
again, I just felt like out of body. I was like, uh, I mean, sure. Yeah. Um, but it, you know, I had had some processing time by that point. Um, originally my, my surgery was scheduled for earlier, I think like May, early in May. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my doctor had given me the go ahead to actually delay surgery by a couple of weeks. Cause he said my tumor wasn't that aggressive. Um, and so I went and played a couple more tournaments just in case I could push my nose into main draw Wimbledon and give myself, wow. um, <laughs> yeah, an extra week to come back on the back end. Did people know about that when you went and played? No. Yeah. Obviously. No, I, I mean, you can't do that. Yeah, like, yeah. what, what, I mean, I, like, tell everyone, hey, I have cancer, like, good luck against me tomorrow, yeah. like, it's Well, not, not necessarily right. your opponent, but just <laughs> cancer, at, so, social, like, um, publicly, did people know about it? Yeah, no. 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 Wow. wow. Yeah. That's a was lot it to... a different feeling, sitting yeah. in the court, where you like, okay, every it, breath counts? It, or... it was did, a little bit of everything. The first week, I actually felt really good, because I came in with such low expectations uh-huh. sure. for, like, what my mental fortitude was going to be. Um, and I actually made quarterfinals and then lost to that Juvon girl who's mm-hmm. really good, yeah. I think. Um, <laughs> she's a good tennis player. So I was like, oh, okay, cool. Um, and then the next week, I think it got more real because that was like the last tournament before my surgery. Mm-hmm. So I knew as soon as I lost, like I was going to have to go home and confront that. Mm-hmm. And I actually had a colossal like mental breakdown, was up like 6-3-2-0 in my match started playing absolutely terrible and like mid third set just like went to town on a racket and everybody <laughs> in the crowd is just like oh like what a, oh, like, what a, spoiler, what a little meltdown bitch. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly i don't think i've ever seen you break i mean that's and not it happens not, I've you're, seen yeah it. I've it's seen like it. yeah. biannual yeah, yeah. okay yeah. Yeah. You keep it you keep it straight i've seen one of the buys yeah. of the annuals yeah, yeah. well <laughs> see then it can't even probably be biannual if she's seen one so <laughs> might be more often than that yeah but yeah, no, I, I, I definitely boil over sometimes, and that was that was an example. Well, of it. in this case, it's completely sort of justifiably. Yeah, you, it was still I, embarrassing, though. Can I ask <laughs> you on the court? Was were you, you know, because when you're on the court, obviously thinking about you know hitting the ball here and doing that and you know blah blah blah. Were you, were, were you like constantly going in and out of like this state of like, am I gonna fucking die? Am I gonna win this match? You're fine. <laughs> well, you're not gonna die. You're but you are gonna win this. You might not win this match. Like basically, like did, were you out there thinking? <laughs> yeah. Fortunately, fortunately, by that point, I knew that this you was a very unlikely okay. to kill me. <laughs> yeah. And then it was almost certainly a surgical cancer that it would be like yeah. a one and done situation. So at least I didn't have that out you there. You didn't change your like, you know, when you I, miss a shot and you're like, kill, kill me. You're like, no, I didn't mean that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it is crazy how like, there's just like a magnification on every like little phrase like that. Yeah. You'll say yeah. like, kill me. And you're like, <laughs> no, no, like, no, 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 I didn't mean that. I didn't yeah. mean that. Didn't exactly. Totally. Um, no, but one thing I did notice is I like my mind would passively go to this like really entitled place where I was like, oh, well, like I have to deal with this, you know, bullshit off the court. Yeah. Um, so like, why am I not like, why am I not being like yeah. given the win yeah. essentially? Yeah. Even like, though they didn't know. And then, yeah, exactly. And I, I, and even if they did know, that's not how it's No, I just meant like cosmically. I felt yeah. like I was owed something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, aware I was having this like existential crisis on court I was like that's ridiculous like I was talking to myself I'm like you can't be that like I don't know it was it was crazy I was not in any sort of like place to really be competing juxtaposition really yeah it was a cool like all of this has been such a cool like 
self-social experiment like just seeing how like I handle different situations and like um you know there are moments where I felt really weak but there are also moments where I've been like wow like I just went through my literal biggest fear and I'm now on the other side of that and yes it could have been way way worse like I'm not pretending like I had it bad but like um you know there's something really empowering about that especially with my history of like depression anxiety Mm -hmm. you would think like you know, I, I thought immediately, I was like, I can't You're handle this. You're going to go this. down into yeah. I was like, I can't handle this. Yeah. You know, I've been off of medications for um, about a year and been doing pretty well. But, you know, my first thought was like, this is too much for it's someone. Derailing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but I, I got some good advice from friends who had been through it and also my psychiatrist that was like, you can let yourself have some Xanax during this sure. process. Yeah. Um, and that allowed <laughs> me to at least like get a good night's sleep every night yeah. and, and wake up at least ready to take on the day. There's more more to sort of discuss linearly about this because obviously we're mm-hmm. catching you, you know, in recovery and, mm-hmm. and you're sort of pivoting forward. But I kind of want to take something that you just said because, I mean, one of the reasons I think you are so widely admired and certainly somebody who I reached out to early when we were making the magazine to write for us and the offer is still on the table. Still going to do that. <laughs> uh, yeah, and whenever you have a free moment, which, you know, understandably you haven't had many, um, you know, is just this concept of entitlement. You know, you are to your immense credit, willing to sort of wade into conversations. Obviously, a lot of this plays out in social media, you know, really, really talk, talking about, um, honestly, things that we try to get into in our magazine as well. You know, the state of the world, using tennis as a lens, obviously using mm-hmm. your experience as a lens to talk about inequality, entitlement, mm-hmm. you're a kid from Cleveland, and now you're living in LA, and, you know, you've seen a lot of the world. Um, talk about that in terms of, like, having had this experience, you know, because it strikes me, like, you seem like one of the least entitled professional athletes who has a crazy life that I've yeah. ever sort of encountered. Well, so so now hearing like, oh, I felt entitled, like I was on the win, you know, that, that how has that changed for you? Right? I, I think it's hard to go through a situation like that where you're like staring, even for 48 hours, like staring down the barrel of your own mortality and not have some sort of like epiphany yeah, so, yeah. or just like oh, perspective yes. shift. Um, and, you know, I remember one of the first things Jack said um, when we got the diagnosis was, if this isn't the worst thing that ever happens to us, it's gonna be the best thing. Mm. Um, And we've been trying to build on that and just like use that momentum in a way. Um, I think one of the most immediate takeaways, and you know, we're talking about entitlement here, um, I feel entitled to my tennis career. Mm -hmm. And in a moment, I saw it flash before my eyes and I just realized how much I cared about it. Uh, Like, obviously, like, we all have our ups and downs, and we have our moments, and we're like, fuck this, I want to quit tennis, I'm Mm -hmm. over this. Um, Like, every third week, yeah. And for me, it was kind of every third week, and I was like, why am I doing this? Mm -hmm. This is, like, you know, so frustrating. I've been spinning on a hamster wheel between 110 and 150 in the world for the past, like, two years. Major Um, qualities. Yeah, exactly. You know, in that, like, terrible, like, kind of limbo sometimes, um, or what I was perceiving as terrible, and, uh, you know, now it's like, uh, how terrible is that really? And, yeah. like, at least I, I realize, like, if I were to ever quit tennis, how important it would be that that were on my terms. Yeah. Um, and it just made me realize, like, how much I still felt like I had to do within the game. And then, you know, after as well, like, in terms of, like, what I use my tennis for. Um, and so but while I'm rebuilding right now, I'm really looking to kind of, like, change the way I think about my tennis. Um, I think previously I was managing this like 
um, financial bottom line where I was like, oh, I have to be like, you know, making money at all times. Otherwise, I don't consider myself like a successful professional athlete. Now, um, you know, with this experience behind me, I'm much more like, how can I get myself to get the absolute most out of out of me in this tennis career. I don't care about the money. I just want to see how good I can get. If I invest, I really like, you know, surround myself with the right people. Um, You know, the hard work has always come easy to me, but like make sure I'm, you know, working the right way and on the right things. Um, It was just the kick in the butt that I needed to to really make sure all my ducks are in a row and moving forward, I have a really clear plan. Well, you know, you cannot be making money as a professional athlete and having a tremendous impact going on the Today Show, talking about prevention, talking about, you know, positivity, talking about anxiety, talking about, you know, politics. And so... To me, it's it's only sort of amplified. It doesn't surprise me that you handled this this well, but it's still pretty remarkable. Yeah, I mean, I think it gives me um, at least a little more spotlight right now. As yeah. weird as that sounds, like people are interested in in hearing from me right now. Um, so, to the extent that I can use like going through something like that to like you know, again, shed light on the things that I think are important, or um, even if it's as simple as what I said earlier, just like um, taking people on a journey um, through illness that maybe isn't as like scary and like stigmatized as it normally is. I know for me, like I expect people to be kind of like dark and shadowy when they're going through things like that. So again, just I, I don't know. I, I sometimes truly feel all over the place because there are so many things that I'm really passionate about. And I think one of the things that um, is going to be really important for me moving into this, like what I'm calling the second chapter or second half of my career, um, is just going to be honing in on what I can be most effective advocating for, whether that means like being more hands-on with a specific charity or, you know, focus, focusing on feminism or yeah. focusing on, you know, outreach for, um, you know, minorities who don't have access to tennis in LA, yeah. um, whatever direction I want to take, I want to, I want to take it with like a little more gusto and a little more, intention. yeah, a little more intention. Yeah. Cause right now it's kind of like, I, I feel all these things that I'm like so impassioned about, but I'm not sure I'm lending anything to them because I'm not really like focusing my efforts. I just want everybody to know that while we're having this podcast, then your t-shirt says female AF, which as we all know, and it says bye on the bottom. So female as fuck, bye. Okay, it needs to go bye. But um, no, but like it's, I, well, you know, I'm here for those things. Kate. I'm here for the important stuff. Um, like, you know, the visual stuff that people can't see at home. Um, but you know, one of the things also you, you say it's like project, you know, your second life in tennis really because of what's happened to you. But also, you know, one of the things that we talked to about today was, you know, the depression that comes after stopping your sport because you wake yeah. up every day and you have a purpose, whether it be going to the gym and, right. you, you know, you went, I think I know you're scheduled a certain, yeah. certain degree, you practice, you went to the gym, you, you know, you had a meeting, you blah, 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 and now you're talking to us. Right. It's like every day there's a purpose. And yeah. then all of a sudden when tennis is retired, yeah. you're done, you wake up and go, oh, what am I? Who am I? Oh, what yeah. am I doing? So do you think about <clears throat> the process of what you want to do after you're done playing as well as the second part of your tennis you know, life after this scare with um, cancer? Yeah, I mean, first of all, I definitely think about that. Like, what is my identity going to be when it's not pro tennis player or even tennis player period um because you know for most of us I've been playing since I was three um so 23 years 
out of my 26 on earth, I've had a tennis yeah. racket in my hand. And what is that going to mean when <clears throat> that's not how I introduce myself anymore? Um, oh, don't worry. You'll always be the tennis player. <laughs> Everywhere you go, no matter how old, you're the tennis player. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, you know, like you're saying, like you're saying, there will be a void of purpose, and I, I know well enough to prepare for that, but... Um, it's getting more and more real. Um, you know, I'm not, I'm not 21 anymore, so I have to start looking at, you know, what I'm going to do when, uh, traveling the world 30 weeks out of the year doesn't make sense for me anymore, or, you know, I want to settle down and have kids. What is that next chapter going to look like for me? Um, I I don't have the answer. Uh, I change my mind literally every day. Sometimes I'm like, Jack, I'm going to go back to Stanford and then I'm going to go to law school. And he's like, what? Why? And then some days I'm like, okay, we're going to move to Maui and we're going to just like surf all the time and raise like little groms who like surf unbelievable by four. (laughs) Can I get adopted by Yeah. Yeah, exactly. If you do that role, I'm up for adoption. I'm just going to let my parents know now. (laughs) Um, But I definitely have the sense that even if I did something like the Maui plan that I would I would want to have a lot of purpose um, to my day in day out um, you know beyond parenthood or yeah okay whatever. so pri- okay no, let's let's do a prequel like we're gonna do a prequel of Star Star Wars or Game of Thrones okay go back to where's this going um, I don't know could be anywhere well go back to you know we we've had this situation happen in the last couple of days where Ash Barty's won a Grand Slam she's now number one in the world I mean it's crazy right quit playing tennis for two years yeah. But she had to have an environment around her, people around her that were going, it's okay, Ash, if you don't want to play anymore, it's up to you. Yeah. As, as opposed to, I mean, people like me were in the locker room going, <laughs> what are you doing? Are you kidding me? You just made another Grand Slam doubles final. You're making $100 you can be million dollars a yeah. year, blah, blah, blah. You know, Just because I couldn't conceptually think, Ash, you have the world at your yeah, feet. Yeah, yeah. You can be so good and you're walking away. Like, yeah. I couldn't believe it. But... The, the story is she knew what she needed to do yeah. to be successful because her yeah. to keep playing was going to put her in a hole, like a depressing hole yeah. of like the wheels going. She's Everyone expects her to be great, but she yeah. didn't quite make it, let's say, because right. she wasn't happy. To make that decision at that moment to pull away, you went to college. Mm-hmm. like were you? So she was around parents that were not going to push her in a way she didn't want to go. So you going to college as opposed to trying to turn pro or turning pro once you'd won and been so dominant at Stanford, like what was your parental guidance? Because I think people at home need to hear this. Yeah, well, um, my parental guidance was... God, I hope it was good after that. <laughs> yeah. I'm just kidding. No, no, no. It, it was amazing. Obviously, I, I very arrogantly think I did everything the way that I needed to. Yeah. Um, and that's well, credit to my parents. College tennis too, yeah, right? my dad played college tennis. Um, it was it was not consistent the whole way, I will say. Um, there that's were okay. some pushes where um, my dad thought I should be homeschooling in high school and I said, No way, I can't. Um, I've always been a social creature. I just like thrive on being in a classroom or being around other people so um you know he was definitely happy for me to make that decision but we did talk about homeschooling several times um you know I'm really fortunate he was a school teacher um and so he prioritized education really highly so did my mom um my mom's brilliant she was like valedictorian at her high school and um is now a CMO at a a dental company so Mm -hmm. she's um 
Yeah, she's a She's savage. female AF. Yes, yeah. she is female AF. Right. Um, so I was really lucky that they just like prioritize education so highly. Um, and I actually, I had this weird thing. In high school, I skipped my sophomore year so that I could, the idea was I could go play a year on tour when I was 17 before going to school okay. to like kind of test the waters. Um, but then when I got to age 17, I was like, first of all, I'm 350 in the world. And second of all, I'm like four pounds and mm-hmm. like way smaller and weaker than everyone else. And so I was like, mm, Stanford sounds pretty good. Sure. Um, my dad <laughs> actually fought tooth and nail for UCLA because he wanted to keep me in his backyard. And yeah. I was like, Absolutely not. Um, So yeah, I ended up going to Stanford. And then from there, like, you know, as a credit to my parents, they were so incredibly hands-off and just kind of let me make my decisions. Um, My dad, I think, was, like, eyeing me suspiciously when I went back after my sophomore year Mm -hmm. because... We want, I, I won the singles and the doubles that year, and he's like, okay, what, what more are you going to get out of college tennis? I was like, I don't have the team title yet. I need to go back. Mm-hmm. Also, I met this really nice guy. And so I went back for um, you know one more year, and we did get the team title as 12 seeds, which was at the time historic, but Stanford has since won up yes. to that. Yeah, yeah, of course. Maybe How twice. Yeah, Unbelievable. Twice. Very rude. Including this year. Yeah. No, Georgia, who won this year? Georgia, yeah, they, they won. Oh, yeah, my yeah. bad, my no, bad, beats, sorry. But I think they went in as a 15 seed. They like went in as a lower seed, yeah. Yeah, so I ended up defending the, the singles title, too, which was a lot of pressure, knowing yeah. that I was going pro and knowing that that put, a, at the time, $30,000 check in my pocket. I was like, I need this yeah. um, to start off my career. So, um, yeah, I was really proud of that effort, and I, I wouldn't change a thing. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Do you have conversations with people because, I mean, obviously, you know, my, my relationship and closeness with Lisa Raymond, who, mm-hmm. in my opinion, could have turned pro. I mean, mm-hmm. she was good enough as a player to turn pro, mm-hmm. um, but wasn't mentally and, you know, just felt the same way. Wasn't ready, wanted to be in a team environment. And she also won back-to-back uh, NCAA singles titles and the team title the first year that she went there. Do you have conversations with parents and with some kids maybe now? Do they ever approach you or your dad or say you know should i or do you do you actively try and promote oh i promote going to i promote college so hard Mm -hmm. i mean the chances of making it on tour are just so catastrophically small wait wait a second say that again (laughs) the chances of making it on tour are just astronomically small and you won two ncaa singles yeah and i'm still like barely hacking it like I, i mean i'm you know yeah 
outside top 100, let's say yeah. that, um, for most of my career. Um, so yeah, I, I, I want to shake some of these parents sometimes who yeah. have their grandiose ideas. Yeah. They're like 14 year old kid who's ranked number eight in the section and they're homeschooling them and they're like yeah. fast tracking them to the pro tour. I'm like, what? Yeah. What, like, what who you, is talking you into this? Yeah. And who and what a disservice. Even your dog thinks it's a, annoying. Yeah, it's yeah. crazy. Um, but it is the culture of tennis. I mean, there yeah. was not a single day growing up um, training at USTA where I didn't feel pressure for, um, you know, being in school or... Um, From who? Uh, just everyone at USTA. The expectation was if you were at a certain level, you were homeschooling, and um, the fact that I wasn't homeschooling meant that I wasn't committed to tennis. Um, and, you know, that was that was reflected occasionally in, in the kind of resources that I was able to get. Um, and I will say, to be diplomatic, uh, USTA has done amazing things for me and has provided me coaching through the years but at the time um college was really not in vogue um and uh, one time I was even told um that I couldn't wear college gear when I came to train at Carson uh that was a because that was promoting kids going yeah to to college college, which would be horrific yeah okay so you don't have to be diplomatic I mean (laughs) you you can be diplomatic but I don't have to be I mean what the f like seriously the USTA see the thing that bothers me about that is that Tennis is now, it's not a sprint. It's a, it's a marathon. Yeah. Women are winning, okay, Ash Barty and Osaka, they're a little bit of a, an anomaly right yeah. now. You know, we're, we're talking players are winning slams are in their late 20s, 30s, yeah. you know. That's the promoting part we should be thinking about. How can we keep these kids that are really good in the sport for an extended right. period of time and sending them to college is not a bad option. It doesn't mean it's a no. failure. Yeah, I, I will say I don't like what what college te- tennis has done with the rule adaptations in terms for uh, in terms of preparation for tour. I I have heard from a couple of players that they think the the no ad and the modified scoring creates extra pressure, which yeah. prepares you mentally. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that would have influenced um, me and my dad's perspective if that had been the case before. Um, it would have made you more likely to go pro. Knowing that that's what the collegiate Possibly, system Possibly, I think so. Well, you um, think it just, should be more about the pro scoring system? Yeah, or or the, the pro scoring system should be um, more more modernized instead. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I think there just needs to be symmetry. Yeah. yeah. And, um, you know, to be clear and to be fair, I think, to the USTA, they're not... They're in the business of creating tennis players, right? Yeah. And if you're creating tennis players... Are they, or is it their business to create a tennis, in, a tennis environment that's popular? Right, right, yes. But, but you know, player development specifically is looking for where's my next Serena, yeah. where is my next, like, you know, major influential player. And someone like me is not likely to be that coming through college I think like I think some of these kids are just so freaking talented when they're young like you're saying like a an Osaka or something like that like they just have the physical presence um you know Osaka you know is should the USA's job be about minting stars or should be about growing the sport in all realms because to me you're elite as a player obviously but you have a ton to sort of say about it in a way that will, I think, broaden the tent. That's why we started the magazine. That's why we're having conversations like this. It's about showing many, many, many iterations of the tennis experience. And it's excellent, but it's also about who can sort of be a spokesperson, who can sort of bring people in. I think, to me, that's part of the job. I mean, that's definitely part of the job, but, like, 
I don't know, viewing it from like either a financial perspective sure. or a business perspective, like there's nothing like a superstar yeah. in terms of like bringing people into a sport or like, yeah. you know, a story that captures everyone. And un- like fortunately or unfortunately, that's usually the 14 year old sensation yeah. who's just coming on the scene. I think people love that, you know, and like get really excited about that. Or at least I think that's how the USDA conceptualizes that's the path. it. That's yeah. been the path. So it yeah. remains path. So I don't know. For me, it's understandable from a, a business perspective and, Honestly, the culture has uh, improved, I would say, 10x. Like, really? they're, yeah, they're hosting college tennis matches at that's Orlando true. now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. Like, right. they're opening their arms a lot. Um, you know, since being on tour, um, I've felt very supported, um, you know, in spite of or because of my <laughs> um, college background. Um, it hasn't really been an issue. Um, so I, I think it's come leaps and bounds um, in the last, like, eight years or so. And, and in fairness, along with the, uh, the change in, in what the average age in the top 100 is. Right. Yeah, you yeah. know, I mean, we're seeing because 15 years ago, yeah. you're 26 and you're at 110 in the world, you should be long gone from tennis. Yeah. It's not going to happen. Sure. For well, you. let's use this as a chance to sort of get back to chapter two. So yeah. chapter two is both you coming back to the sport with a different perspective, using mm-hmm. those moments, talking about impact, talking about sort of maybe pulling together holistically all of these different mm-hmm. things that interest you. Um, and, you know, it sounds like it's still a work in progress, but like as mm-hmm. of today, right now, how is that sort of taking shape in your mind? Yeah, um, that's a great question. Um, I I don't think I'm I'm that far down the path yet. Sure. Um, I'm I think five and a half weeks out of surgery <laughs> as of right now. You get a break, so, sure. and you haven't um, played a competitive match. Yeah, so you don't know how, you, how how do you think you're going to react when you go back? I, I really don't know. I I know enough now um, to know not to try it? to predict it. No, <laughs> my dreams have been noti- notably silent lately like I've stopped dreaming since all of this happened I think I have enough to stress about during my like waking off. hours that my brain is just like no leave me alone I think in more more terms like have you had a conversation with yourself like all right okay Nicole when you walk on the court okay just be normal don't like no, carry no. on I don't think there's anything like that or I think should you wave on and like wave at everyone like, you know what I mean like <laughs> yeah. so you have those moments yeah I don't I don't know I think the one thing that has stood out to me as like kind of a mission statement for when I go back on the court is be a little bit less serious. Mm-hmm. I've always been so type A, like I must work the hardest and do everything perfectly. And, um, you know, I think I need to let go of that. It's time. Um, you know, I think it's it's um, a normal reaction to being on, on tour, especially from a young age. You, you just start having the sensation that if you could just control everything, that everything will work out well. But at the end of the day, I would rather watch, like, a Nick Kyrgios match than, um, you know, like, half of the players on the men's yeah. tour because it's goofy yeah. and it's funky. Or, like, and he hits hair. underhand stuff. Oh, my happen? God, I love it. He's amazing. I love it. And, oh, you God, know. you share the same wackiness with your male players that you love to watch. <laughs> I mean, I love Nick, too, but you're oh. obsessed with Ben Benoit Pair. Well, I, I think... I haven't spent as much time with Benoit Pair, but I've, I've spent a lot of time watching Nick. And I think the fun thing is just that he doesn't take it that seriously. Yeah. Like, and, and he gets totally shat on for that. But, like... Uh, well, I think that's great. The problem is it's so yeah. hard to get there, right? Because you yeah. feel like... I mean, I'm... 
you, you tap into, but if you pretend, not pretend, if you think, oh, it's, don't take it so seriously, enjoy it, you think, right. well, then you don't care enough. And right. then you start giving yeah. yourself shit about that. Well, it's you, a tenuous well, balance. Can, yeah, yeah, it is. Totally. But ironically, that's another thing that Ash, I think, has done well, stepping yeah. away, is that, you know, even when she wins, it's kind of like, it's not this, like, over yeah. the top. It's kind of yeah. like she actually just enjoys playing now right you know and i think roger is the epitome yeah. of it yeah you know, roger can walk off the court and be like ah that wasn't good enough exactly he goofs around but and he hits like so crazy shots yeah. that are not the right shot selection totally i think that's actually patterns, yeah. maybe the the best uh, example like saber like he yeah. Just yeah. starts like yeah charging in yeah. on people's serve like yeah. that's awesome and I, I think like i've been reflecting on you know what entertains me in the world, like not just in sports, not just in tennis. If you go to a concert and the person you're watching is hitting all the notes, like exactly, like that might not be a great concert. Like it might be a great song, but like you're not going to be like, yeah. Um, Meanwhile, we went to like a Nickelback concert a couple of years ago and we had the time of our freaking lives, (laughs) like because there was so much energy and they were like having fun with it, making fun of themselves. I think, you know, if you can kind of like extrapolate those lessons and like infuse that into tennis like maybe like a curious 2.0 where it's like some of the antics without maybe uh the clear dread of being on a tennis court like (laughs) i think it's fun to watch someone enjoy themselves and i think technical perfection to your point is not that compelling yeah if you can find your way to sort of and it's not doing it for me right like i've been you know trying really hard to be you know technically perfect and work really hard and do the right things and okay i've gotten to 68 in the world which is nothing to shrug at but it's not where i believe i can get and you know at some point uh you know the brave decision is to to do something completely disruptive you're gonna get married in the fall you have you know increasing you've always been somebody who's brought in the outside world to your tennis and your conception of it you know do you do you sort of are there other examples that you can think of books, movies, concert experiences where you're like, oh, this is something I enjoy. Maybe that's something I can bring into tennis or maybe that's something I can sort of bookmark and be like, oh, I'm going to come back to you when, when this starts to look like it's all going to wrap up. Yeah, um, I totally just blacked out for a moment. I didn't hear half of that question. <laughs> so I'm going to be Jason. It happens to me all the time with Caitlin because she excrepts just, just, just half word. the words that come out of her oh, mouth. I'm like, okay, <laughs> sorry, I blacked back <laughs> in. Um, yes, like books and movies I've been watching. Just something else that like, yes. sort of gets your sort of motor running. You're like, huh, so interesting. this is what I've been, I have literally the most perfect answer to that and now I just messed it up. But no, we can edit that. <laughs> or, not. Or, or not. Or not. Or not. Or not. She had cancer. Yeah, Yeah, I've lost some brain cells along the way, (laughs) floating around. Um, (laughs) I've actually been reading Shoe Dog lately, um, which everybody's been telling me to read for forever, and I'm like, yeah, Nike, I don't care. Um, Oh, the Phil Knight. Yeah, the Phil Knight book. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm actually like, I feel like it's too profoundly, perhaps, like shaping my attitude right now, because his whole like the entire book is just about how every penny the man ever earned he put it right back into the business Mm -hmm. to the point where they were insolvent for like 15 years Uh and this is like the biggest sporting goods company in the world bar none and I just like had this epiphany I was like I am such a penny pincher when it comes to like what I'm doing on tour like 
why? Yeah. Like, you're literally not going... Like, if I'm viewing myself as a business, I'm starving my business, yeah. right? And I, I'm giving myself the absolute minimum resources. And then I'm like, wow, I'm so surprised that I had a meltdown and broke a racket on the yeah. court when I'm staying at an Airbnb 72 minutes away from the site because yeah. it's more like... Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's more, more financially. Yeah. yeah. Right. And so I, I've kind of been examining those kinds of decisions mm. and seeing if I can knock a screw or two loose and kind of think about it differently. But, uh, you know, I think it plays in perfectly to what I'm talking about with on-court stuff. Like just this hyper control mm. needs to go. Yeah. I need some inspiration. You know, mm. that's what I need. And like whether that means, um, you know, bringing a new team member on who can, you know, inject a different perspective. Um, love my coach right now to death. He's been supportive um, and amazing through all of this. Um, so definitely keeping him on board. But it's a USDA setup. I'm sharing with another player who has priority. Um, so it's priority one for me right now, finding someone who can help me out in the weeks that we're not together and um you know he's fully on board with that and and helping me find someone that's so. great so you're really sort of willing to sort of look at anything and be like what's going to get me anything. to my yeah. best sort of happiest place yeah well i will tell you one of the things that i always said to myself early in my career was if i'm making you know because obviously being australian we fly a lot a lot yeah and i said to myself very early on in my career i said as long as i'm making the money that it, when i'm making money i'm going to fly business class no matter what, I'm flying everywhere business class because if, you know, I can afford it, yeah. I'm going to fly business class because I don't, I do not want to be doing this job and being absolutely fucking miserable every time I go to an airport. And that's the life I've been living. Right. Yeah. I've literally never purchased a retail business seat in yeah. my entire life. Well, I mean, it's just the little things like that, you know, because it's, it's, and it can, yeah. and it's, time. it's, it's time. one it's match. Time. Yeah. It's one or two matches. Yeah. And that's all taken care of. No, I know. Yeah. And, and and I've had people say that to me and I'm like, Oh yeah, okay. Sounds like a great way to lose money on tour. Right, right. You know, like and totally don't talk to Venus because I, Venus will talk you out of it. Because <laughs> Venus is a, a great penny pincher and she's got every yeah. bit of money. I mean, she, and there's she, something to be said for it sure. and you know, like I think your background informs like the attitude it. that you've had. I've tried it. Yeah. Gotten me a 68. I don't like that number. Yeah. I want a better number. Yeah. Um, and so I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm going to invest for a couple of years. And, you know, if it doesn't cut it, it doesn't cut it. Yeah. Life goes on and there's other stuff that I can do that will make me money in the future. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I'm lucky. I have. You go back to Stanford and be a lawyer. Yeah. 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 Yeah, exactly. Not the first professional tennis no. player to go back to Stanford and be a lawyer. Criminal um, justice reform. Ooh, lawyer. That's what I yeah. was going to be my question. Yeah. It seems like, I mean, we're talking like recidivism mm -hmm. rates, mm -hmm. justice system. We're talking yeah. like. Mm -hmm. All this stuff yeah. and what particularly about that uh, I don't know about it. it's consistent I'm not surprised to hear you say it but yeah I am just like really fascinated with um, how awful race relations in the US still are yeah. um, it's it's something that keeps me up at night and uh, is a, a problem that I just think is like so unimaginably overt um, yeah. for, yeah. for a society that considers itself woke. Yeah. Like we have one in three African-American men in jail, yeah. um, like at some point during their lifetime compared yeah. to one in 17 white men. Yeah. That stats from uh, the new Jim Crow. It's like one of my favorite it's books It's a great book ever. and it also corresponds yeah. to the project I did at the Washington Post called uh -huh. Black, Black Men, Being a Black Man. And yeah. that was where oh, I haven't that seen original, that it was or, from 2004. Okay. It was when uh, it was pre Tanahasi codes. Yeah. It was pre. Oh, love him. So let's talk about the case for reparations. I mean, yes. Uh, yeah, I'm on board. Sure. I, I mean, like, it, it, I, I can't stand the argument that, you know, we're in a capitalist society and everybody has, like, 
you know, equal access to the American dream. Like it's some people true. don't it's have the bottom run, rung of the yeah. ladder available right. to them. They're, you know, disadvantaged from the very beginning. Yeah. Um, and I, I think disproportionately that's the African-American community, yeah. um, especially, but also Hispanic populations. Sure. Um, but I think um, growing up in Cleveland, it was really interesting. So I learned this later in life, um, but apparently Shaker Heights, which is where I grew up, um, they were like really progressive right after integration. And so they wanted to do like basically a citywide social experiment by um, drawing city lines uh, that were almost exactly half white and half black. Interesting. Yeah. Um, and I never knew that, but yeah. I had intuited that because I grew up in a society that felt very half and half. And like um, it was... Honestly, in, in my opinion, I was also very young, so I hadn't had time to grow up into some of the bullshit that occurs later in life, but it was almost utopian in a way. Like, I, I didn't feel that overt sense of racism, mm -hmm. but um, when I moved out to L.A., I was kind of like, whoa, yeah. everybody's really segregated, and uh, nobody really overlaps, and I, I, I don't know, it was really strange for me. So yeah. um, I think that's some of where it came from. Uh, so my sort of the idea that. that you have, you've seen this, like, more idyllic slightly better or I just like couldn't conceive of the fact that our society was still that racist because I was right. I was just like yeah uh, okay like this is how life is and yeah. then you get older and I moved into a different place that had different values and I was like wow like yeah this is crazy. Well, a lot of it is sort of a vision failure. I grew up in Montreal, which is, okay. a pla you know, obviously very, very close to the States, but yeah. we, poverty is not racialized in Canada. Not really. I'm generalizing huh. greatly, but like <laughs> the social stratification in, in Quebec is based on language, right? Yeah. And so all of a sudden I moved to, to Atlanta and then everything that you described in yeah. terms of segregation, in terms of institutionalized sort of, you know, overt, covert descriptions of race and yeah. integration just yeah. was not happening in a way that I was like, oh, this is so interesting. You go into any kind of like janitorial job or McDonald's or any sort of lower sort of rung, it, it's done by the Quebecois, right? So okay. it, it, very similar in the sense that like it's not race-based because right. Canada, as you know, is not a slave country. Right. And so all of a sudden being thrown into a place where you, you, you see the it's difference. visceral. You see the difference because, yeah. and you maybe can't explain it until you're older, but right. to me, it, it sounds like it comes from like a very deep place in, in your, you know, obviously early childhood experiences. Yeah, and uh, honestly, I, I feel weird sometimes because I, I, I so deeply want to be an advocate for that cause, but I also don't want to like... Like, I feel strange sometimes as a white woman being like, oh, but we need to... Uh, but I, I think that's a, a really... You don't want to co-opt, or you don't want to sort of... I, yeah, I don't want to appear like I'm speaking on behalf sure. of someone, right? Um, so I, I take it upon myself to be troubled by it and, like, look into ways that I can, like, you know, be hands-on in, like, the solutions for that um, without, like, trying to position myself as anyone who, like, you know... I don't know. Like, lives it. Lives yeah, it. lives it. It's not, it's not, it's not, it's not my experience. Lived, it's not my know. experience, but I can, like, I want to say, like, I can see this no, and we need to address listen. it. Yeah. But that's the same it's a hard balance to well, strike, right. I think. And, and, for me, I and I've had agents in the past say, like, oh, you should really stick to feminist topics because you're a girl. And uh -huh. I was like, honestly, you're not wrong. Like, there is a lot of, like, credence to that. Well, my voice. Right, 
Credibility, exactly. Yeah. I think um, you should. I should. I think you look at it from the standpoint of a quality period in a story. Right. Marginalized. Right. And that, yeah. You know, uh, you know, part of society. And I, I think ideally, yes. Um, but, but you, but, 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 but I would suspect also too that the African American population need people like you. It's just like it's like I, as a somebody fighting for LGBTQ plus rights, right. need straight allies. It's right. the same thing. Yeah, yeah. But I think there's also a really specific kind of allyship that comes with listening more than talking and sort of put, right. position yourself in a position to say, okay. And that's kind of what I'm saying. I'm going to put myself in a, I'm going to get yeah. educated. I'm going to put myself in a situation right. where I can actually be an advocate and then I'll do a lot of listening and, and you know, it, yeah. And one of the things I've been examining lately, I think any activist in that space will tell you like one of the most important things you can do as someone from like a privileged um, background is just try to check your other privileged friends when yeah. you're in a room full of them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, because I, I find it very rare that white people have something racist to say in front of black people, sure. but little things slip through yeah. the cracks all the time yeah. when you're in a room full of white people. So no, um, that's been something that I've been trying to like push myself more to, to you know, call that out and not let that be something that like flies, um, you yeah. know, at least around me and you know, just little things like that. But yeah. down the road, like something uh, working in criminal justice reform is something that like massively interests me. Yeah. Um, I think it's like one of the biggest problems we have in the United States. I think it's completely yeah, underfunded. Than other yeah, it's wild. We're putting people in jail for weed possession. Yeah. Like, who even cares? It's fucking legal half of the places now. So, yeah. yeah. Sorry. Okay, good. Well, I see the makings of um, an Aaron Brockovich sort of like chapter three after chapter yeah. yeah, Could be a political career. I'm not yeah. really sure. There's so many options. Yeah. I literally change my mind daily. So, so week. but it's also another reason to go to college because now you yeah. have, you know, two options. years of, of, of Stanford three. under your belt. You can go back. Three. 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 For the record. Three years. Excuse One me. More. Three. So, I mean, which is even better, right? Because... <laughs> Three is better than you, two. There's more so many two. more things that you can do, and I think that's so important. Still less than one degree. It's less so. than four, but yes. Well, I'm I mean, planning to go back. I have so to say, we'll I mean, part of your 20s anyway, in any shape or form, the fact that you've already had a successful career and it continues in one realm, like, most of your 20s is just being like, well, who the fuck am I and what am I fucking doing? Yeah. Like, most of, I, yeah. I'm in media, like, yeah. it's like, do that's I want to write books? You. Do I want to edit? You. It's, it's everybody. No, You want to read Eric Erickson on social, psychosocial development? That's exactly what, we don't, we don't even identity form until we're 30. Yeah. So you got, like, four years, dude. Yeah. Well, yeah. I'm taking all of that time because I have no decisions made. <laughs> Take as and, long as you need. And now you realize that every day is really important important and there's no point in rushing anything yeah no and have fun with it god i think we've done a lot of really good work here today yeah i think we got we got chapter two three and maybe beyond and we'll come back once you you know back there doing that law school degree and deciding on what you're doing (laughs) hey it's been hey i had a really good friend carrie cunningham was her name and she was uh she went back was ranked 30 something in the world went back to michigan did her own quick playing tennis at like 21 22 because she was uber smart and should not have been playing tennis because she was just too smart to be playing tennis. That's like me. That's why I didn't. Yeah, like you. And clearly that's why I played till I was almost 40. But um, (laughs) she went back and got her undergrad and is now one of the leading endocrine surgeons in the country. Wow. So, you know. That's inspiring. Yeah. So, I mean, there is a huge afterlife um, after tennis. And listen, magazine, anytime you want to write. Yeah. Freely, copious free time. I know. I need to. I will. I will. Eventually. No pressure. Hey, well, thank you, Nicole. Thanks, yeah. Nicole. Thanks for joining us. No at all. Hey, we're going to see you on the hot coat Covered season. everything. 
And that's it for this episode of the Racket Magazine podcast. Thanks for listening. Our host is Renee Stubbs. Our co-host and producer is me, Caitlin Thompson. Music by internationally renowned DJ Stretch Armstrong. Thanks to Tim Ruggieri and the team at Acast. Find us at racketmag.com slash podcast and subscribe to us at any of your favorite podcatchers. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.